The decision to seek out opportunities, whether it's for overseas or between the G League, is a personal decision. It's also a post-draft decision. But the pre-draft process, well, the training is an important decision for the players as well as for the agents. So Keith, what about like players making decisions on an agent on, I don't know, where they want to train and, and when you do get a player, what do you do for them uh, in, in terms of preparation? Do you get them into a place to train and so forth uh, to get them ready? And how important is that? Yeah, I do believe it's the agent's responsibility to uh, put your player in the best training situation. No question. Um, you know, that's a do you have passion. just one person you go to? We actually have a couple people. If somebody wants to stay in Chicago, we have someone who's terrific. Uh, if we... Uh, our number one guy is in Indianapolis, Joey Burton. He's terrific. Uh, he's worked with a lot of our players. We really love what he's about. He's um, very personalized with the guys. Watch his tape. He's almost like a coach. Uh, I very much so love that. He and I have uh, a great working relationship. We work in lockstep. So um, really love that uh, about Joey. But uh, we also have people out west in case someone's more comfortable out west. But the main thing that I try to instill in our kids or our prospects is that, again, you can't really make a decision on an agent based on the training. We're really at the pearly gates. You are what you are. You're not going to become Michael Jordan in four weeks. Your coach, who you've been working with for four years, can train you and do as good of a job as anybody else. So you either have the talent or you don't. But in the next four weeks, what you want to do, you, you press upon your kid, make sure you get into the best shape of your life, work on your deficiencies, and make sure that you are preparing okay, for your workouts where you know exactly what's going to be involved and you go after that every single day. And you wake up and you go hard and you get on the grind. But to sit here and think that you're going to become Jason Tatum within three weeks is just not going to happen. Well, you know, you make a good point. This is this just popped up, and for me, you know, you do you want to get what I call as Olympic conditioning, and you come in as a professional, you know. And of course, the testing, when the testing is done, this is not the thing that's going to move you up places and so forth. I think when you do test well, you are in great shape. You're becoming a professional but it also opens up doors. And for most of the players here, it's opening that door a little bit wider and wider for more opportunities. And one, guy, one guy that just popped in my head, we had the Chicago pre-draft camp here at Moody Bible, Damian Wilkins. Damian went to North Carolina State, transferred. He was a 6'5", 6'6", point guard. Uh, his numbers weren't great. He was I wouldn't say he was out of shape. And we didn't know whether or not we were going to bring him. I think we brought him to Portsmouth. He was okay. And then we, and we weren't sure if we really wanted to bring him to Portsmouth. But he got invited to Chicago. And when he got into Chicago, he was unbelievably good. I remember that. Good. I mean, he unbelievable shape. He you know? shot up And quickly. I think that's important. And mm -hmm. obviously he had a great career. And I don't Terrific know. Terrific career. Yeah. I think it's a great point. It's a great point. And I'll give you another uh, great example. We had a kid a couple years ago, Rashawn Holmes, the big fellow with the Sixers. Yeah. Um, you know, he wasn't really on the, on the grid prior to Portsmouth. And you were kind enough to really listen to me when I pitched you about Rashawn. He was on your short list a little bit, but he wasn't a guarantee of getting in. I stayed on you, and you were open-minded, you and Malin. And he ended up getting in. And guess what? After the first game, he freaked people out. Yeah, we, and, li we liked him. We, oh, we I believe that. that. And the teams, the teams 
they didn't. They weren't sure on them. They didn't exactly. have a lot of us, and exactly. we we made it. Exactly. And that, that that absolutely was a good. And grab. my phone started ringing after Portsmouth like you wouldn't believe. He made a good decision, but here's the the larger point. The larger point is that when we were talking about training, he felt really comfortable working with his coaching staff at Bowling Green. He didn't need to go to L.A. He didn't need to go to Vegas. And all that, to me, is just hype. So here he is. He works with his coaching staff at Bowling Green, goes to Portsmouth, busts his tail, and blows up. Goes right into the combine, and my phone was ringing again. He was blocking shots. He was active. He was in the best shape of his life. He was doing terrific. And he ends up going 37. He signed a wonderful deal. I think a record-breaking deal, second only to Jordan Mickey. So the point is, he's a great example of how sometimes the training is overemphasized. So I, I advise kids, be careful. That's that's not the only reason why you should sign with an agent. So let's talk about what I would say the mystery man of the draft is. We have a guy named Abu Dushalamu, Abu Durexity. All right, so he's a Chinese guy. You're so American. Okay, well, so I, I, I wrote this. I had to write it down, and you know what? I, I it's it's almost like a um, you know a cartoon way of I'm reading it right now. But now, okay, so so right now he's is a six eight swing man. He's let me he's, correct you, six nine and a half. Okay, and six. Shoes. Okay, is that right? And shoes, yeah. Okay, uh, and he's worked out for at least eight teams. Now, yep. correct me if I'm wrong. Brooklyn, Dallas, Los Angeles, Milwaukee, Phoenix, and Utah. Correct. And he played for. The Flying Tigers, the CBAs yeah. on the uh, in the in the Chinese league, and he's um, uh, he's also on the national team. He is. he is. So you're getting a lot of looks from him. Tell me a little bit about him. What should I know about him? What I, what sh- what are the things that I need to know about this guy? Um, well, what I love and about what him, you're going to pitch the what teams. What I love about him is that he's still raw, so you have so much to mold. He's still only 21. He started playing only when he was 16. So he's really fresh, and he's got so much upside. He's six nine and a half with shoes, as I mentioned. Wonderful stroke, great body, and he's tough. A lot of people don't realize he is a bitch. He'll come in and he'll mix it up, and he's got a great basketball IQ. He's so smart, and he just has a nice feel. You know, I've always felt, even when I had Ray Ferralson many years ago with the Bucks as a point guard, you know, the feel is just something you can't teach. We all know that. It's just innate, and he's got that. Um, and I just love, he's a terrific passer. He gets it. He's a winner. He won a championship in 2017 in the CBA. Uh, he won a FIBA Cup championship. Um, and Yao Ming recently, from what I understand from my partner over in China, uh, who works with a lot of top guys, including he's uh, part of the team. Is that how the connection came? For yep. You to- okay. yep, yep. My partner brought me to him, and uh, he felt that we'd be a terrific fit. And uh, he also works with the MVP of China, this kid Ding, that the Mavericks are showing some interest in. And mm-hmm. Ding is wonderful. Last yeah. summer, every time he touched the ball, people were going nuts. It was great. But he's a, a terrific guy, and he really believes in Abu and goes by Abu, by the way. We'll, we'll shorten it up yeah, for you a little you. bit. What yeah. about double A? I was calling double A. I'm fine with double A, a but I'll stick with Abu, man. I'll okay. stick with Abu. It's, it's, it's catchy. So in the meantime... Um, you know, we were told that uh, he's really got a chance. He's a terrific kid. But uh, my guy told me that Yao Ming recently said he's really the cornerstone of the national team moving forward. So even Yao Ming is very high on the kid. And, uh, the and he's draft eligible. He's, he's 22. He's auto eligible. He's 21. He turns yeah, 22 in May. Um, so he clearly is auto eligible. And uh, he's got national team commitment. So we were able to bring him over. It was difficult, but we got it done. And you, are you, bring, you bringing him back after that commitment? Okay. Well, what happened was we brought him over a couple weeks ago for about 10 days. Mm-hmm. 
and we had several clubs, about eight, come out to Phoenix and watch them, and several were very impressed. Um, one team in particular said to me, Keith, I didn't think he'd be this good, like I, much more than what I expected. And he said, exact quote, we're going to be very interested in this kid. So what's interesting about him as well, because I had a kid many years ago with Real Madrid who had a $4 million buyout um, when he was making a small salary, but... Uh, you know, when you have that type of a large buyout, it's tough what, to bring him over. Kid, what's his kid's buyout? It's a no-cost NBA out. That's okay. what's special about this. So he can come over this year and... No buyout. No buyout, and he can move whenever he wants, which we love. My guy did a wonderful job negotiating that and a couple years ago. And uh, the truth is, you know, a team, if they don't think of him as a guy who's final 15, they might say, hey, let's draft him in the 40s or 50s and put him on a two-way. And he would be up for doing a two-way, which is unusual. So uh, the one... I read where he was asked what his game is modeled after from another player, and he said Joe Ingles of Utah, and I and I like that. Right? I cracked up. Yeah, huh? I cracked up. I'm like everybody, you know, talks about like LeBron or Durant. You yeah. know, they go big with it, right? You know? Yeah. Now there's no uh, Ingles there's is no slouch. Hey, that. listen, Ingles is no slouch. He signed a big deal. He's no, a wonderful player. Can... Went, yeah, had a wonderful playoff run. That boy can play. But he likes Ingles, and it's a good point because he came in a little bit unheralded. Came out of Australia and uh, was able to just shoot the ball. And people thought maybe he was just a shooter, but the kid's a bitch. He plays defense. He's a winner. I love Ingles. And the kid, really, when he said that, I took a deep breath. I'm like, you know what? That's a great point. So it's a perfect comparison. Who do you have? I mean, I know you have a lot of good players um, coming up for the draft right now. Um, one particular player uh, from Baylor I want you to talk about. Yep. Um, uh, I think he's, he's gotten some good workouts. Mm-hmm. Um under not really under the radar because we we know all about him but but tell tell me about uh tell me about him and tell me what you think uh is um where he could go nuni omat um it's a great name ryan i'm glad you brought him up because every year i try to just choose your players on the names (laughs) exactly It's hilarious. Yeah, the most unique names I got to go after. But uh, I will tell you, though, that uh, we feel we've carved a niche uh, whereby we try to go after the underdog. We like to go after guys that are like low first to maybe, you know, in the 50s. Uh, people have been overlooked a little bit. And uh, we study their upside and we feel, I mean, we're challenged by it. We love how do being you, able to. Sorry to interrupt, but you, how do you grind? I mean, like, you take someone like that and you go, how do you convince? And what do you put it together? A package? Or you go and you're making calls? What do you do to go, yeah. okay, you got to believe that this yeah. is the guy? I mean, they well, hear from agents all the time. Yep. Why should they? And I know that they do yep. the homework and stuff, yep. but what is it? What, what's well, it? I feel like it's, it's my 20 years of work and grinding where I've had uh, many sleepers over the years that have done well. And I feel like uh, several people in the front office now trust me and believe that when I call them with a name, I'm not just throwing them a lemon. I'm not just, uh, you know, shooting gas. I'm, I'm really, you know, talking about someone who has some wonderful upside. So I think the trust level is there. Um, that's why when kids call me out of school saying they want to be an agent, I'm like, just know it's a 10-year grind. This does not happen overnight. It's not easy. you got to really get after it. And I will tell you that I think it's just my body of work and really building those relationships and always making sure that we are very selective as to who we add. We only want to add clients that we feel could flat out play at the next level, not just overseas, but NBA. So when you have a Milton Doyle last year crack or we had five guys called up in the last 12 months by the NBA, I think the front offices feel like, you know what, we can trust this group. They have players that could help us. 
Um, and I will tell you, and Yogi Ferrell was a great example a couple of years ago when he signed with Dallas and became second team all rookie. That was story. a great story, and we developed that from scratch. We're proud of it. Um, but I will tell you though that um, you know, as it relates to your question, um, I think it has to do with uh, our credibility with some of the clubs. But also, you know, you got to have a feel, just like a point guard or any other position on the floor. And we feel we have a, a nice feel in that way. And that is that you have to position the kid properly. And a lot of people, of course, we make the calls of the GMs, but you also, I feel the biggest secret in the business, you have to position them in the media. You have to build that brand. You have to put scouts on their heels. You have to make sure you position a player, whether it be on hoops hype, whether it be tweets, whatever it might be, where people are reading about him constantly in a positive way, and they feel like they're missing on something. So I like to build out the narrative. Just like you're, it's a new product launch, right? you got to build something that's hot. When something's hot, you want it. So I feel like with Dooney or the kids I've had over the years, where we've been successful is positioning them in the media to make sure there's such a buzz that people feel like, I might be missing something here. Let me bring them in. Let me see what's going on. And then my goal is at first to get them in the door. And once I get them in the door, I know they're going to impress. And when they impress, they say, holy shit, where's this kid been? For instance, with Nuni Omat from Baylor, who's a 6'9 kid, about a 7'1 wing, plays a 3-4, strokes it, hits 6 out of 6 threes against Oklahoma, scored 24 points. You know, listen, he, he was flying under the radar a little bit, but when he went to uh, a team the other day and worked out, they called me within seconds after the workout and said, this kid moved a lot better than I thought. He can stroke it. I love this kid. So I see Nooney when it's all said and done, when we're done with him, possibly mid to late second round, someone could take a flyer on him, minimum two-way. I think people are going to get real excited about him. I see him as a taller version of Covington. All right, here's a, here's a question for you. All right, so now we have three players that have pulled out of the combine. Uh, no one knows about this yet, but... Chandler Hutchinson, uh, who's a senior out of Boise. Mitchell Robinson, who didn't play uh, this year, he was supposed to go to Western Carolina. Sorry, Western Kentucky, and he set out and worked out. And then now Robert Williams pulled out. We obviously see sometimes that agents will pull out, try to posture. Maybe you know, maybe they get guarantees. Do you do homework to see how much, because I do, how many of these that really hurt, or does that really get them more workouts, or does it create opportunities? Does it really work, and is it just posturing? It's such a great question. I'm glad you're addressing this, because at the end of the day, it all boils down to if he plays, will it do more harm than good? Are you sure, and are you certain, that your player falls in a certain range where if he plays, it's only going to hurt him. And at the end of the day, you got to be right, and you better be right. So I can't comment on these kids. I don't know their range enough, and I'm assuming they're with terrific agents and are making the right decision. But at the end of the day, it boils down to if you feel they're probably a top 20, top 25 pick, it probably doesn't make a lot of sense to play. But if you feel like, you know, maybe they're covering around low first, high second, yeah. mid-second, and you pull them out in that range, that's a huge risk. you got to be a surefire first-rounder to, to walk away from this camp, as far as I'm concerned. So, and if you're not, you got problems. So, uh, a number of years ago, when, the, when we were doing the combine, uh, and it was at a time where we had left the pre-draft camp, and we had Ennis Cantor in here was not allowed to play in Kentucky, did not play for a full year, and he was a projected top five pick, okay? 
and he came out for the, the skills and the drills and so forth. And he didn't play five hundred five. And then this might have been the year that we weren't only doing skills and drills, and then the lottery people were just doing interviews and so forth. But the one thing that I think helped him so much is he just said, nobody's seen me. I want to play. And when he came out here, I mean, even from running the lines, you know, running the full court sprints at the end, you know, he wanted to play. He wanted to show that he, and I think that resonates more. And I think a lot of times teams want to see players that can play. Um, 100%. I think, and, 100%. I, and then I think in a five-on-five situation, when you have someone that may be in the first round, they want to see them play and not be afraid. But none of these guys are going to be your first nor the fifth, uh, fourth option. Okay, They're going to earn their minutes defensively. They need to know how to play. The team concept, all that kind of stuff that helps. Uh, and I think sometimes... When you're, like you just said, when they're in the low first round, or, you know, and projected is not media. No one really knows that. And and I and as you can see in the past, you have a lot of players. I remember Boozer didn't show up, Carlos Boozer, back in the day, and he came out of Duke as, I think it was a junior, and he didn't come to Chicago, and he got drafted in the second round. And it wasn't until whoever got that. hurt. And now, again... He got the opportunity. He got in better shape. He did, you know, he did get that opportunity. But sometimes it doesn't work out. No, it could hurt you quite a bit. So that's why I keep saying you got to be real sure of your range. It's a risk. Because here's the other risk. You know, remember, these teams are so busy. The coaches are busy. The GMs are busy during the year. They don't have time to get in the gyms. They don't have time to travel. They rely on their scouts. But the scouts have to kind of clear it, right? they got to run it up the flagpole before they can draft someone. So at the end of the day, when you come to the Combine or Portsmouth, this is really the first time the coaches or the GMs have a chance to see you. Well, let's so talk if you're about, not seen, that's tough. Well, let's talk about Portsmouth for a second. So Portsmouth, you know, it, for many years we were getting guys that would, uh, I wouldn't say posture, but felt that they should be in the Combine. When we had the NCAA, uh, their own rule and their own withdrawal deadline, which was in early uh, April, we had more, of course, seniors going to the combine, but then they they made a good decision and put the withdrawal deadline after the combine, uh, their own, and then we had early entry guys. And so what the it, what I consider as the NBA is utilizing both events as an opportunity to perform and to play and to interview uh, in front of the NBA teams. Yep. Um, so for a number of years, we were getting uh, 9 to 19 guys every year that chose not to go to Portsmouth or withdraw from Portsmouth and not get invited to Chicago, nor get drafted, nor make an NBA wow. team. So, and I ended up, I, I wrote a letter that goes out to all our Portsmouth peeps, and or, or the invitees, and to let them know kind of the uh, the statistics. Plus, now we get five, at least five guys from Portsmouth to go to the combine. As a result, we are getting, like Portsmouth is strong. You're getting your interviews, you're getting Very play. strong. The first testing, which is important, you get your first testing done by BAM, and they did research that 98% of the time you get your testing done, you do your testing twice, you improve. So that's good. Um... This year we have nine players that chose not to go to 
Portsmouth that did not get invited to the combine. So you're again eliminating those opportunities. Again, can be on a case-by-case -case basis if you're projected to be first round. But we have guys that are that were projected not to be drafted that said they thought that they were going to go to the combine. I think it's a huge mistake not to go if you're not thought of as a surefire. A lot of kids look at the mock sometimes, but oh, I see my name in the fifties. I don't need to go. Or if I go, it's fifties. That, yeah, that, that doesn't make that, sense. Right, 50. exactly. You, you want to do everything right. that you can absolutely. to get into the first round. Absolutely, and the, the point is, guys. Derek every White. Year, Derek White's oh, a perfect Oh God! Example. And you look at the numbers over the last couple of years. How many kids at Portsmouth are getting drafted? Are now last year getting two ways, getting called up. I mean, it's not just about the draft. Teams remember you. So when you go into the G League, they track you. And all of a sudden, you make a name for yourself. And you get on the radar. It's all about getting on the radar as well. And it's just it's a huge mistake, I think, for a lot of people. And you look at this year. The kid out of Colorado, King, who did a wonderful job, got invited. Uh, the kid Hall out of Virginia got invited. I mean, it's just, you Harford know. Harford played unbelievably. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. there's. Uh, I'm a big proponent of it. Yeah. Big proponent. So, tell me how you got into this business. So, when I was at U of I in Champaign, uh, I was watching an agent by the name of Steve Zucker on ESPN, and he had Deion Sanders in his living room. And I was like, damn, he's in Northbrook, a couple miles from me? I've always wanted to be an agent. Yeah. I played sports my whole life and excelled, and for some reason I just felt like, rather than trying to go all the way with this, let me uh, jump on the business side of it. And uh, So, I was always intrigued by the space, and... You know, at that time, I was looking to maybe go down to the Board of Trade, but uh, being an agent was in the back of my mind. And when I was watching the draft that year, and I saw Zucker have uh, Deion Sanders in the living room, I'm like, wait, a Northbrook guy is right up the road? I should contact this guy. In the meantime, uh, I called his office a few times. They're like, oh, we hear from thousands of guys, thousands of potential interns, whatever. We're set. Thank you for calling. I'll let Steve know you called. Sure enough, I come home from school that summer, and my roommate leaves me a message and says, hey, Keith, uh, Steve Zucker was on the machine today, uh, you know, looking to track you down. I said, are you serious? He's like, yeah. I'm like, all right, I'll give him a call back. I'm sure he's already settled, like his secretary said, but we'll give it a shot. I called back, and she's like, oh, yeah, he may have called you, maybe to be polite, but we're set, no problem, whatever. So I said, just tell him I called. This is after the ESPN Dion stuff. Yeah. So an hour later, he gives me a call. He's like, Keith, it's Steve Zucker. When can we meet? I said, I'll be there within the hour. So I get all suited up. I go in to see him. We talked for probably an hour and a half. Hired me on the spot, introduced me to the whole office. We just clicked. And that summer, I was structuring contracts for his projected first-rounders. He had D. Brown. Yeah. He had Rod Strickland. He had yeah. probably 20 NBA guys, 40 NFL guys. He was probably one of the top five agents in the whole business. So I learned the business from the mountaintop. He was an unbelievable negotiator, incredible with the media. And there wasn't a day that went by where he wasn't bringing me into his office and I wasn't listening to him negotiate, deal with the media. It was a wonderful experience. And uh, that's how I really broke in. And then when I went off on my own, uh, 19, whatever, 95 or whatever it was, my first client was Arthur Agee from Hoop Dreams. And uh, from there it moved to uh, Ray Ferralston, skipped to my loop. And then we, had, uh, we were asked to advise Randy Moss on reshaping his image when he was a rookie. And then uh, a couple years later we landed a kid, Mache Lampy. 
out of Real Madrid, and uh, we were in the that green room. That was a tough year. one. That was a tough one because his team wrote a letter the day of the draft and said, hey, if you take this kid, we'll sue you. So he fell a little bit. But he it was, was still, in the green room. He was in the green the draft. room. Yep, yep. So his team dropped him a little bit, and it was a shame. But what a wonderful experience. He was making peanuts when he was over there. We were able to get him out of his deal. We set a record-breaking deal. It was the first time a second-rounder signed a fully guaranteed three-year deal. He, and the Knicks. he went to the Knicks, yeah. and uh, the entire garden was chanting, we want Lampy!" right before they picked. We want Lampy!" I said, Mach, I don't know how to tell you this. The garden doesn't do this. They boo every yeah, pick of magic. The everybody. fact that they're going, we want Lampy!" this is unbelievable. And in the meantime, the funniest thing about that draft was when Stern took the podium, before he even uttered a word, welcome to the draft, the entire garden was chanting, fire laden, fire laden. I'm hysterically laughing, and my kid from Poland is going, what's going on, what's going on? I go, this is the garden, it's beautiful, it's epic. You know? But uh, anyway, uh, it was a wonderful experience. He and I were on the cover of Wall Street Journal that day. Uh, his story blew up ever since I approached Chad Ford originally when he was playing for Complutense. They yeah. loaned him out to a Division II team, and mm-hmm. nobody in the league knew who he was. And we pitched the story of we found the next Dirk. And Chad was wonderful. He did his research. He goes, you might be right. And he ran out of story. And then Wall Street called, and it just took on a life of its own. But, well, I hit him up hard when he played at the uh, Schweitzer games, man. He played great He there. played great, and he's a terrific talent. He's kind of, you know, riding off in the sunset a little bit. He's had a great career. But, you know, so we, uh, you know, we moved from there to open up uh, our relations all, all over the world. And we have reps in uh, every country. And so that really set us off. And so it's been a wonderful experience, absolutely. Well, what about uh, any relationships with uh, my father, um, Marty? Uh, did you have any um, interesting stories with, about him? <laughs> Your dad was absolutely classic, loved him. He was actually, it's funny how this is coming full circle, and I'm sitting in front of you today, maybe 25 years later. When I was 21 years old, and uh, actually 22, and I signed my first player, it was a 6'9 kid, six, yeah, closer to 6'10", out of Seminole JC, I'll never forget, an Anthony Cade, very talented kid. And the first thing everybody was telling me was, you got to call Marty Blake. He's probably one of the strongest guys in the league, the NBA scouting director. Every team listens to him. He's the man. Call him. He could maybe help you get Anthony into the combine. I'm like, sure. So, you know, I was thinking, why not? I'll take a shot here. I'll give Marty a call, call him out of the blue, see what he says. He'll probably be welcoming and maybe love my idea. I called Marty and said, hey, Marty, it's Keith Kreider from who? And he stopped me dead in my tracks. I'm like, it's Keith Kreider from Sports. I have no idea who you are, but what do you got for me? And I said, well, I've got a kid, Anthony K. The kid from Seminole? I'm like, yeah. He's like, I'm like, yeah, you know, listen, he's like another Sean Kemp type. He's like, Sean Kemp? That's like comparing a penny to a dollar. Are you kidding me? Get out of here with Sean Kemp. This kid can't play. And he nails me to the wall for about five minutes, and I'm just listening. I hang up the phone. I'm like, holy shit. This guy was unreal. So I'm like, okay, we'll move on from Marty. And in the meantime, um, I kind of just walked away from him. Like, he's got a point. Maybe I'm overstating it a little bit. So I was patient with it. I was knocking on the doors, and I was doing what I could with every team. And then I get a call from your father three weeks later. Keith, Marty Blake. What's up, Marty? I got your kid in the combine. He's going. Tell him to be ready. We're going to be okay. I'm like, whoa. I didn't expect that. (laughs) And then, true story, calls me up second day of the combine. goes, listen. Your kid is raising his hand to come out of games. In all my years, I've never seen that. I don't know where he's going. I don't know where this is going to end up. So he, he and I built a wonderful relationship. I love oh, I love Marty to death. God. 
And uh, there wasn't, a, and I was going to Portsmouth every year, and it wasn't a year he would sit and talk to me. And he was great. He was truly a mentor. Absolutely. Oh, that's, that's he was awesome wonderful. To hear. He was wonderful. Well, listen, um, it's good to touch with you. I'd like to to reach back out to you in the near future. Uh, I like pleasure. to call this the agent's corner. <laughs> but I think from a perspective, uh, the insight of basketball here in the Combine, um, you know, getting a perspective full circle, um, you know, gives a lot of information out there, not just, you know, just to the listeners here, but uh, to future players and, and those alike. Um, so I appreciate, I appreciate you being here. My pleasure. I really enjoyed it, man. Well, it's time to get down to the cellar of this hotel and get the rental vehicle to head on over to the Quest Multi-Sport Gym for the NBA Draft Combine. Now, Keith Kreider and, well, all other agents won't be allowed to come into the building, but all media will be, as well as all the NBA teams. Hi, guys. We're here. So over here. Now NBA teams will be, well, corralling back at the hotel to get ready to leave for their dinner meeting to their favorite uh, dinner spots around Chicago. Now I run my business in a similar matter and will gather my scouts and riders for dinner, but not before I talk to my Bosnian scout, Inver Poljak, about a few of our international prospects in our next segment of The Drive on the Road with Ryan Blake. Oh yeah, it's all about the drive.